We're going to jump into week six of our series we've been going through called Therapy Sessions. Therapy Sessions. If you haven't been here all the weeks or haven't been following along, what we've been trying to do is have a conversation about mental health. We've spent the first five weeks on anxiety, and so we're going to spend the last two weeks on depression. The last two weeks on depression. Because I feel like you can get into a lot of different avenues with mental health, and I'd love to cover everything that we could, but we just don't have all the time in the world, and I feel like these are probably the two main mental health issues we're having in our generation. And I understand as we enter in to talk about depression today, depression is a weighty subject. Depression is something that I can remember when I heard talks about it or I even talked about it with people. You almost feel like there's a weight in the room when you start to talk about something like depression because it is a weighty subject. And I'm not here to like make it fun and enjoyable. I want to talk about it. I want to get real about it. I want to explain, hopefully, from a biblical standpoint, what is depression and what are some roots of depression. Okay, so we'll spend on what is depression, what are some roots of depression, and then last or next week when we finish up, we'll show us a couple ways how we can combat depression. But I understand that this is a difficult topic, and maybe for some of you, it's something you're dealing with. And I don't want to be insensitive. I don't want to say anything that's hopefully going to trigger you, but, but we have to talk about it. Like everything in mental health, the more we put it in the dark, the more we just let it brew, the more we just let it build up. And I want us to get it out in the light and have conversation about it so we can understand how we maneuver it, how we navigate something like depression, how we help people with depression. And so that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at what is depression and what are some roots. Maybe some of you uh, that listen to you want to call secular music um a few years ago there was a song that came out it was called 1-800 there are more dashes it was like the suicide hotline number by a artist named logic he's a rapper and the whole idea he was building around this song is to bring some awareness to suicide and depression and so i just i'm not gonna either play the song but i want to read like the chorus and the first verse to get you an understanding a little bit as we start talking about something like depression that you'll be able to understand. I'm not going to rap it, so don't expect me if you've heard the song to rap it. But the chorus says, I don't want to be alive. I don't want to be alive. I just want to die today. I just want to die. I don't want to be alive. I don't want to be alive. I just want to die. And let me tell you why. I'm talking about they think they know it. I've been praying for somebody to save me. No one's heroic, and my life don't even matter. I know it. I know it. I know I'm hurting deep down, but can't show it. I never had a place to call my own. I never had a home. Ain't nobody calling my phone. Where you been? Where you at? What's on your mind? They say every life's precious, but nobody cares about mine. You want to talk about depression these are the things that people are feeling. I mean, I know and I understand artists can put words into their song to bring some hyperbole or to bring... But, but in reality, somebody that's dealing with depression, this is how they feel. My life doesn't matter. Nobody cares about me. My life's just a blip and I'm just going to keep on living 
the way I want to live. And it can be a scary thing to get into. If anybody's in here and has struggled with depression, you understand. It's hard to understand what's the point of life when you're in a mindset of depression. And I'm not going to spend as much time talking about suicide this week, but understand that is an outcome at times of depression. I'm not saying every time, but it is a reality of depression. Some of the stats I was looking at this week on depression shows globally 264 million people suffer from depression. You might think, well, if you kind of roughly look at the world's about 7 billion people, so only 264 million, we're not doing too bad. But yeah, that's still 264 million. 264 million people around the globe suffer from depression, suffer from the idea that my life doesn't matter and I have no hope. That number, if it's anything above zero, is too high. 25%, this, this may not deal necessarily with you, but it's interesting to know, 25% of people over the age of 60 consume antidepressants. A quarter of our grandparents are consuming antidepressants. Close to 800,000 people die every year to suicide. It's almost a million people a year. And this one scares me the most. The second leading cause of death for 15 to 29-year-olds for your age group is suicide. The second leading cause of death. All the weird ways, all the terrible ways, all the horrible ways you can die, suicide is the second leading cause. But second leading cause of death in our age group is suicide. That's an issue. Why are we not talking about depression if we're seeing stats like this? And you might sit there and you go, well, I don't, I don't deal with it. And that's great. But there's 264 million people that are. How can we come alongside them, give them hope? How can we come alongside them and help them see their life matters? There's a reason they're here. There's a reason they need to keep on living. When I was over at Southview, the first church that I was the youth pastor at, I was doing an event on a Friday night. Doing an event, I don't remember what it was, some type of like late night. We're playing underground church and having fun. And this, this girl had brought in a few of her friends. This girl, she brought a couple guy friends. They were having fun. They were enjoying. I met the one kid or a couple of the kids said hi to him. I didn't have a huge conversation with them, but I was saying hi. They seemed like they were enjoying it. They were having fun. And it was great. Two days later, I get a text message. I get a text message from um, another youth pastor friend, and he said, hey, be praying um, so-and-so. And he said his name. I'm not going to say his name. So-and-so committed suicide this weekend. He was a high schooler. And it didn't connect to me that this was who this kid was. So I remember we went out to the school, and we, we were there. A couple of us youth pastors were there throughout the day. Um, talking to students and kind of being around just in case anybody needed to talk. And I kept feeling this like weight in my, my chest that like, man, this was heavy as it was, but there was just something that I couldn't shake 
that this seemed bigger than just this person taking their life. And as I learned who this person was, what his name was, and, and saw some pictures, I came back to the church that night, and I was talking to the pastor, and he said, do you realize who this is? I said, no. He said, this is so-and-so, showed me the picture, and I said, oh my goodness. I said, I talked to this guy on a Friday, two days before this happened. Two days. And he looked like he was fine. He looked like he had it all together. He looked like he was enjoying life. And just two days later, he's gone. Depression can look on the outside like they're fine. They're having it together. Life is good. But on the inside, it's dark. They're not sure if there's a way out. They're not sure if there's any hope. And I... I know we can't see inside people. We can't see, like, I can't walk up to Micah, and if this is what he's struggling with, depression, I can't just see inside and go, wow, man, you're struggling. That is why it is so crucial and so important for us to be honest with people. If this is something you're struggling with, you can't just keep it in. Because as Christians, we're going to struggle. You can still be a Christian and struggle with depression. Don't get in your head that just because I'm depressed or I'm struggling with depression, I'm no longer a Christian. No, that's not true. You're going to hit some points. Not all of us, but you may hit some points where you're just like, man, I just don't know if I see the end. I just don't know if there's any hope. And so I want to unpack just for the next few moments this idea that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. We, I think we feel like we have to get things together. We have to make sure that, that our life's in order before we either come to Jesus or before we even start telling people what we're struggling with. It's okay for you to not be okay and struggling with something like depression and tell people. It's okay to not be okay. So, what is depression? Let me give you a couple different definitions. I don't have any on a slide, so if, if I go too fast and you want to write some of these down, you can find me after. But I got three different perspectives. First one is the American Psychiatric Association. These are the people that are dealing with mental health all the time, and this is what they define depression as. They say depression, major depressive disorder, is a common and serious medical illness that negatively affects how you feel, the way you think, and how you act. Here it is again. The de depression, major depressive disorder, is a common and serious medical illness that negatively affects how you feel, the way you think, and how you act. I think what's also concerning about this definition is that word common. Common. These are the people that are seeing mental health on a daily basis, and in their own definition of something like depression, it says common. Interesting. David Marvin, he's the leader of this ministry called The Porch in Dallas, Texas. It's a bunch of young adults, 20s and 30s, about two, 3,000 people. And this is what he defines depression as. Severe despondency. If you're like, what's despondency? Basically, in this nutshell, it's a loss of hope. Severe loss of hope and dejection. 
typically felt over a period of time and accompanied by feelings of hopelessness and inadequacy, prolonged grief and sadness. Again, severe despondency, severe loss of hope and dejection typically felt over a period of time and accompanied by feelings of hopelessness and inadequacy, prolonged grief and sadness. There's a podcast that The Porch does uh, called Views from the Porch. It's, they take probably about 20 minutes every week and dive into a specific topic that either goes along with what they're talking about or just another topic young adults seem to be dealing with. And so uh, they defined on this podcast depression as depression is a person that is in a state where they feel pressed down, discouraged, something is wrong, and diagnosed by a professional or themselves or family and friends as depressed. And that's a long one. So let me say it again. Depression is a person that is in a state where they feel pressed down, discouraged, something is wrong, and diagnosed by a professional or themselves or friends and family as depressed. It's just like this balloon. I'll play this definition out a little bit so you can see kind of in a simplistic way. I don't know what it is about balloons during the mental health series, but there's something that they all relate. So, do you see this balloon? Um, this is you. I should have drawn a little face on there. This is you. For putting this in the context of the definition, you're, you're the balloon. And what this definition is kind of saying is if I set this balloon on the table, if it'll stop moving, set this balloon on the table and I start to press down on it. Press down enough to where it won't pop, but enough that it feels the pressure. This is like what this definition is saying. It's saying, okay, you're under here and you feel like you're pressed down. You feel like there's a weight. You don't necessarily know what it is, but you know there's something that's giving you a wrong feeling. And it's pressing down and it's giving you pressure. And that's what happens in depression. You're under this weight. You're under this pressure. You're under this feeling and you're not necessarily sure what it is, but you know that something is not right. And for a long time, you feel that and people either see and label you as depressed or your family sees and they label you as depressed or you see a professional and you're labeled as depressed. That's what this definition means. And the last definition, we'll look in 1 Kings 19.4. You might be like, why are we going to 1 Kings? It's in the Old Testament. What does that have to do or, or even say about depression? It's interesting. We'll look a lot more probably next week at how much depression is in the Bible. But 1 Kings 19.4, this is Elijah talking a little bit about Elijah. And these are the words that he says in 1 Kings 19 verse 4. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed. This is Elijah. If you guys know who this is, a, a figure that we would really see as a godly figure, prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. These are the words of Elijah. So then maybe more from a biblical standpoint, a biblical definition might be, in a simplistic way, a heart that is pushed down low. 
Elijah's heart is pushed down low if these are the kind of words he's saying. God, just, just take my life. I'm no better than those, my ancestors, that have come before me and already passed away. So, just like in the anxiety, I tried to mush these all together. It's not the most exciting definition, not the most probably informational definition, but here's kind of piecing all these definitions together and what I've put together as depression. It is a disorder that leaves you with a loss of hope, isolated, not important, pressed down over a period of time that you, a professional, or family and friends can diagnose. Again, it's a disorder that leaves you with a loss of hope, isolated, not important, pressed down over a period of time that you, a professional, or family and friends can diagnose. One of the worst things you can do when you're facing depression is go into isolation. One of the worst things you can do. What your body is going to feel is, I need to be alone. I need to be away from people. But it's one of the worst things you can do. It's one of the worst things you can do in almost any type of sin. Is pull yourself away from everybody. You're kind of fueling that fire when you pull into isolation. You go, okay, my life doesn't matter. I'm not important. What, what hope is there? And so instead of trying to talk about it, process it, have conversations with people, be around people even nonetheless, you don't even have to say anything. You pull yourself out even more. And so now you're only telling yourself, I really don't matter. I really have no hope because I just sit at home in my room all the time. Now I understand, and I'm not being insensitive, I understand I've been there in small parts, not nearly to maybe some that you've even been there or people that I know have been there, but I understand it's not that easy. When you're depressed, you don't want to go anywhere. You don't want to be around people. But one of the best things you can do to fight it is to not isolate yourself. It can only make it worse. And that's the moments when Satan's just going to keep feeding to you. You don't matter. Your life isn't worth anything. So, what may be some causes of your depression? What may be some causes of somebody else's depression? Now that we kind of have a little bit of a definition of what it is, what could be some causes? First thing is anxiety. We just spent five weeks on it, but this can be a link to your depression. A lot of times, anxiety and depression are kind of linked together. Anxiety, you say, well, how do you know that? Proverbs 12.25. Proverbs 12.25 says this. I'm reading it in the Passion Translation. It says, anxious fear brings depression. Anxious fear brings depression. But a life-giving word of encouragement can do wonders to restore joy to the heart. Your anxiety can bring depression. When you have this understanding that God's not in control. I'm not sure if God can really handle it and I'm really worried about it. You begin to doubt God and you begin to sink into this depression and go, I'm not even sure if he's even got me. Does God even really care about me? Does God even really listen to me? 
anxious fear brings depression. When you don't believe that everything's going to be okay, you're going to begin to sink into this place where you go, I don't, I don't even know if this is worth it. Anxiety is a cause of your depression. Circumstances. Sometimes these are circumstances you can control. Sometimes these are circumstances you are not. A lot of times people can slip into uh, some type of depression when a, either a good friend, family member, somebody that's close to you passes away. Maybe this was a sudden thing that happened, or maybe this was something you knew was coming, but it's hard anyways, and so somebody passing away can, can slip you into some type of depression. Maybe there's a circumstance when your dad or your mom loses their job and you're not sure how the future is going to turn out. And so you kind of lose hope. Or maybe when COVID hit a year ago, a year ago from now we shut down the church. Maybe then you slipped into a little bit of depression because now what is going to happen? I have no hope. If everything's shutting down, will we ever be free again? Circumstances all around us are always happening. Some you can control. Maybe you make a dumb decision, and now this is the circumstance you're in. You get in a car accident. Okay? Your music was too loud. You were texting on your phone. You get in a car accident. Now this is the circumstance you're in. You cause the accident. Maybe you lose hope. I'm not even a good driver. I'm not even ever going to get back out on the road again. I can't even trust myself anymore. Circumstances play a huge role in depression. So anxiety, circumstances. Maybe a friend turns your back on you. That's another big one. You have a friend... You thought they were there for you, ride or die, all the time. You could tell them anything, and then just in a moment, they turn their back on you. And now they're no longer your friend. Man, this was somebody I poured my life into. Circumstances. Unconfessed or undealt with sin. Unconfessed or undealt with sin. This is a big one. Because at the core of it... Depression, to me, is going against the will of God. We're going we're gonna to talk about that here in a second. So when we choose, when we choose to sin, and we don't confess it, and we don't deal with it, we're just continuing on in that pattern. Maybe you've noticed in your life, if you've had a sin that's reoccurring, you almost feel kind of numb after it happens or after you do it or after whatever that sin is, you kind of feel this numb feeling like you don't even necessarily care. There's not much guilt there anymore. And so you've kind of just kept going, but you also don't feel very good about yourself. Because the more you continue to let that sink in, the more that it continues to take root. And that's what Satan wants. Go against God. Go against his way of life. Bring it, you know, the amount of times it says in Scripture, confess to one another. Bring your sin out into the light. Make sure you deal with it. We can't let the sin in our lives just sit back. But that also means, this is 
a talk for a different time, that if somebody comes to you and confesses sin, you can't judge them. I feel like that's the reason we're not being honest with each other because if I tell you what's really going on, you aren't going to like me or you're going to judge me. We need to bring that sin out into the light. We need to deal with it. We need to confess it. Because the more we go into the dark, the more we keep digging the hole and leaving room for Satan to have a foothold. So bring that sin out into light. Don't let it take over you in your life. And then finally, it's kind of similar to the last one. Just another possible root is struggles. Struggles. Um, that could be both um, struggles like whether it's something like drugs and alcohol, whether it's something like um, pornography, stuff like that. But it could also be stuff like perfectionism, narcissism, comparing, stuff like that where, where I have to have everything right. You know, I'm kind of that way myself. I, I, for a long time in my life, I've gotten a little better at it, but I'm still not the best. Perfectionism is, is a quality that I have that I need things to be perfect. And for a long time in my relationship with God, I had struggles in my life. And if I could not immediately cut them off and no longer ever do them again, then I wasn't perfect, so what's the point? And so I would sink into this little bit of depression that I can't ever be perfect, so why should I try it all? Why should, why should that matter? So things like that. So narcissism, I tell you one of the quickest ways you want to get depressed, start caring about yourself all the time. You'll realize how messed up you are, how broken you are, and there's no hope in you. It's all through Jesus. Jesus is the one that brings us hope. You'll see real quick how easily you can make mistakes, how easily you can mess up. So your struggles. And like I said, you probably noticed when, when you have a certain struggle and you continue to do it, you kind of go numb. I can remember when I was in high school, uh, just from a little more personal perspective, a little, when I was in high school, um, I shared with you guys one of my biggest struggles is I smoked. And so when I began to do that in high school, it was something that kept pulling me away spiritually. And so I, I started to do that. And I can remember we were redoing our room down in our basement. So we were down in the basement. This is our house that was over here. Um, we're in the basement. They're like repainting it or something. I don't remember exactly what they were doing. So they moved everything out of our room and they put our bunk beds up in the laundry room. So we didn't have a room for like a week or two because they were redoing all that stuff. And so we were sitting up, uh, laying up in the, the laundry room for when we went to sleep. And the next morning the alarm went off. We got up for, or my family got up uh, for school and my parents got up, my dad went to work and so forth. And, and my brother had come down a little later after he'd gotten up and I'm still laying in bed. And he was like, what are you doing? I said, I don't, I don't even think I said anything. I just kind of like that. So he goes up and then my mom comes down, asks me what I'm doing. And I just like get up and I start talking to her. And I'm just like, mom, I just can't do it today. And I just, she said, okay. And so I went, um, stayed home from school and I went back to bed. And I think I laid in bed for the next like three or four hours. And I say that not to just tell you a story, but, but my issue over here when I started smoking is I was struggling with something, going against what God had for my life. So it wasn't bringing me any life. I just woke up every day and I go, ma'am, I don't know about today. And there were multiple times 
Three or four times I tell my parents that and I wouldn't go to school. And I, I didn't do it just so I could stay home from school. I truly just didn't feel like it. I'm like, where's the hope? When you let these struggles just continue to root in your life, you're going to continue to feel worse and worse. You got to deal with them. So, what should we do? Philippians 2. And I'll, I'll close it out here. Philippians 2 says this. If I can turn there fast enough. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4. Say this. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfishness, possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. You want to find a way to help combat your depression? Kind of a sneak peek into next week. Think of others. Don't think about yourself so much. Start putting others before you. When you start to serve and love others, you're going to feel really good. You ever done something for somebody and it was just nice to do for them and you just feel really excited after? You feel really happy? Think of others first. Get this perfectionism, this narcissism. Get all this out of you. Don't focus on yourself. Think of others. Deal with your struggles. Let your anxiety rest in God. God, I, I, I'm worried, but I know you got this under control. I leave it at you like we've talked about because you love me. Think of others. This whole idea of depression is, is rooted in us going against the will of God. John 10.10. You don't necessarily have to turn there. But John 10.10, you've probably heard this verse. Jesus says this. He says, A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullest until you overflow. Depression is leading us to this lifelessness, this loss of hope, this, this I'm not important. God came so you could have life. When you choose to go against what God's will is for your life, you're choosing to not have life. You're choosing to walk down a path of losing hope. If you just begin to understand that if I just walk the way that God wants me to walk, I'm going to have life. I'm going to have life. And He's going to be my hope for the future. Depression is a crazy thing. And it's hard to process. It's hard to understand but you've got to know when we live and root ourselves in God we're going to find life and when we don't we're going to isolate ourselves we're going to lose hope and we're going to begin to get depressed but we work through it and it's okay to not be okay but we've got to be honest and we've got to talk about it and we've got to process it let me pray for you guys